and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy, and today's guest is Kate Oldham, Senior Vice President and General Merchandise Manager of Beauty and Jewelry at Saks Fifth Avenue. In this episode, we talk to Kate about the recent redesign of the Saks Beauty Floor, how she keeps up with the ever-evolving newness in beauty, and why Saks is betting big on hair in 2019. Hope you enjoy the episode. We have Kate Oldham of Saks Fifth Avenue. She is the Senior Vice President of Beauty and Jewelry and has been um, part of the company for quite a while. So Kate, tell us when you first got started at Saks and kind of what was um, kind of the revelation for you at at the company? You know, I've been at Saks for over 20 years. I'm, I'm no longer adding that second digit, um, but over 20 years. And I, I actually started working in the store on Fifth Avenue. And I was um, a sales associate. I was looking for a more formal job in marketing, but I just had to make some money. So I went in and I was a sales associate and I loved it. And they told me about a training program at, at Saks. So I applied and got in and sort of just worked my way up from the very, very beginning. Kate, how did you first kind of, um, aside from on the selling floor, but how did you first become acquainted with the beauty category? So I was um, I was a planner in beauty um, a long time ago, and I, I really loved the category. It was a perfect fit for me. It was very analytical, which is one of my strengths, and it's also very creative. So I always feel like that's really what I love is there's a little bit of analysis that can make you more creative, and that was really where I fell in love with the business. I did a couple of other things before I started being a beauty buyer, but um, then I started in cosmetics and was a buyer for cosmetics. You've mentioned before that the beauty category has had such explosive growth. There's been moments where, you know, the signature fragrance or the founder fragrance has had moments or, you know, color has had um, a lot of opportunity. What um, what do you think drives that in beauty and what do you think is driving that today? You know, I think everything has a life cycle. Um, when I started, it was the makeup artists were really coming on strong and it was really fabulous to see because it was really a big, an early beginning of a category that didn't exist. And I love seeing that. And we leaned into that at Saks and then there was a designer moment. And in fragrance, um, you know, you've really seen um, an evolution of a single fragrance such as, you know, a Narcisso Rodriguez to a whole lifestyle of fragrances. And that's been an exciting time for, for fragrances, especially. And in beauty, sex has always had a heritage in treatment. Um, so that has never strayed. And that's always continued to be our strength. And I think what happens around the world influences what happens with beauty. So we've seen in the last few years this big um, social moment where people are posting pictures and selfies and they want to look good. And I think that has driven the makeup business in a way that we've never seen before. And as that sort of um, graduated, people are now starting to think about how do I continue to look good? So treatment is having another moment. So th there's always something outside the world of beauty that drives beauty. So it's just an interesting, it's always an interesting time there. You you started on the selling floor. So tell us a little bit about Saks's point of view when it comes to physical retail and how important that piece of it is um, to the company. You know, I am always been grateful that I started on the floor because I always remember what it was like to be a sales associate and I was always a customer of Saks. So I always know what it feels like to be a customer. And when you're a sales associate, you really do see what people love about Saks. And 
physical retail, brick and mortar is vitally important to us. And I don't think that's ever going to go away because consumers like to touch and feel. And I think beauty is a category which is the most personal. Our sales associates are expertly trained and they put their hands on their people's faces. And that's a very intimate relationship. And it forges a relationship that can last a very long time. And people want to come in and get their makeup done. I'm an experienced person in beauty. And there isn't a day that if I'm getting my makeup up done that I don't ask, oh, how did you do that? What's that new trick? You know, there's always something new that people are talking about, whether it's highlighting or um, strobing. All of those things are new and they continue to evolve. So I think brick and mortar and just having somebody sitting in a chair is is always going to be part of the beauty business. Saks recently redid the beauty floor in New York. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. Well, it was an exciting, exciting project and probably one of the the pinnacle of my career because it was so vastly different. And we really sat down and thought about what in this present world would make a difference to our customers that would make them want to come to a retail a store, a brick and mortar store versus looking online or watching a YouTube video and then buying products. And we really thought about that experience. And it was, you know, a little bit sad to move off the main floor. It's it's what where beauty traditionally is, but we really felt that it was going to be um, something amazing. And if we were going to build it, people would come. So we looked at all the factors that are competitive out there and what we could do differently and what is in our DNA at Saks Fifth Avenue. So Treatment is in our DNA, for an example, but we didn't have treatment rooms in New York. We have treatment rooms in our out-of-town stores, but we didn't in New York because that wasn't how a customer was serviced when we built that floor years and years ago. So we added 15 spa rooms. So that was sort of one of the first ideas we had is how do we build spa rooms so that our customers can really have the great and most um, elevated experience in in treatment. And then we looked at the light and we said, okay, we can open the windows and people can have natural light. One of the biggest thing in makeup is making sure that your foundation suits your skin tone, natural light and wonderful light. And if you've been, we have amazing light in that building. And then we wanted to um, honor what we had done and where we had gotten to in fragrances. So we had already created customized home for fragrances. And we wanted to continue that because we do feel that we are a leader in the niche and high-end fragrance category. So that was important. So we put all those pieces down on a piece of paper, and then we started playing with the layout and what we could do, as well as thinking about elements that our customers had never seen before, services. And we have a concierge, and we have a beauty curator. So we just kept adding and adding more and more exciting things to our floor so that we really became a destination and that we weren't trying to be somebody else. We were just trying to create something new. Tell us a little bit about the experiential piece, because, you know, obviously services are a big part of it, but you also have an area for education and you also have classes and talks being done at SACS all the time now. Um, So tell us a little bit about how kind of making about making beauty more of an experience and not just about the transactional selling and buying. Absolutely right. One of the things we talked about is um, on the first floor, when you got your makeup done, you were sitting on an aisle. And you would see people with baby strollers come by and you might even actually people were 
very bold down there. They would sit with a face mask on SK2, which was on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. It was the most prominent location. And they'd sit with a face mask, and it really wasn't. How does Saks give that experience to our customers? So we said, if we're going to build this wonderful big new floor and add space to it, we wanted to have all the things that the customers would enjoy in a in the right setting. So we built an event space. It's 850 square feet. Um, and you can seat up to 30 people for a talk, but you can also make it intimate by doing a girl's birthday party there and doing makeovers. Um, we can have a founder come in and talk about fragrances. So it's very multifunctional, um, but it was very important us to have a destination and not just have it in the aisles or make it feel like a secondary thought. So that was very, very important to us. How does Saks kind of redefine luxury? Because, I mean, these are all very luxurious and very high-touch services and experiences. But at the same time, you're bringing in like newer brands or newer experiences like Face Gym, and which may not be necessarily known to the historic Saks consumer. And I think that was important was that sort of surprise and delight of something being different for our customer. And we did. We looked at an enormous number of services. Um, and I actually was in London and I had seen Face Gym at Selfridges. And what I had noticed in London, which doesn't carry Sephora in the marketplace, was that all the beauty departments um, were adding services. And I thought that's a really interesting factor because they don't have the self-select. So it's even more um, personalized. So I thought, oh, that's an interesting thing. And we'd already brought in blank eyebrows and um, Tracy had experienced Martine de Richefield, the slimming Monsieur of Paris, and she had loved that. And Tracy's my boss, by the way. And I thought, oh, that's those kinds of things, you could spend a whole day at SAC. So we started thinking, what's not competing, but what could somebody experience and spend and have every single thing done in one day? A makeover, a facial, face gym, a slimming massage, nails, eyebrows, and self-contained. So that was was part of our, our impetus to, to add services. And our regular client, I think it's what's happening in their lives. It's Face gym is is a non-invasive um, experience. It's uh, it's a workout for your face. So that you could do that as well as buy makeup. It doesn't stop one from the other. So it was more of a way to add on to our current experience to make it better for the customer. And what about um, you know the education piece? Because you know you are doing it from the point of view from the beauty consultants, your expert beauty consultants on the floor, but then also having founders and makeup brands kind of come in and be able to tell their story, their legacy. I know you did um, some talks with La Prairie and and Tina Craig of Bagsnob. And so, what kind of um, experience is that offering for Saks? Well, I think what's interesting is that. This is a time when people are really interested in authenticity, and we really believe that we ha have the best brands in the world, but every brand has a reason for being, and we always like to share with the customer what that reason for being is. So with our fragrances, to have a founder like um, Killian Hennessy come in and talk about Killian, and his passion shows through, and I think our customers know a lot. They're very experienced now. They read a lot. They do a lot of research, and our, our associates are very um, well-educated and trained, and they're still able to give expert advice to a customer, an educated customer. There's always something more, and we, again, can give them an individualized um, time together by doing their makeup or giving them a, a facial, showing them how to use it. And that's 
all available on the floor. And I do feel that that's what the customer is interested in, is something a little bit different. And yes, there's many wonderful competitors that we have that you can go in and self-select. That's not something we wanted to do. We wanted to bring the brand with an expert and people to be able to come to us for advice. Every space has a place to sit down. Um, and that was very important to us because that's who how we like to treat our customers is it you know you can come in and get something very quickly but you can also come in and and really be um, have a full makeover or be explained a lovely group of products so it's really about kind of like the whole immersive spending the whole day kind of at Saks right. or maybe even the whole weekend if we'd they love could. that too um, in terms of kind of drawing in you know that younger customer that millennial customer and Gen Z customer that we're hearing so much about um, what are you seeing in terms of how they're discovering Saks or how they're discovering what Saks is offering is it you know the seeing something online and then coming into the store how is that kind of relationship working you know we don't really look at our customers by age we really just look at them as they're women and men who love beauty, and we have something for them. We have exclusive brands. We've added an apothecary, which is, I always describe it as um, great brands, which editorial darlings, not quite ready for prime time. So they, they are they have a few products, and we bring that in, or tools, which um, necessarily other brands don't carry, but it's synergistic or it helps with the product that we sell. And I think a millennial likes that because it's it's new and innovative, and we have a lot of um, brands that are quite large, but we like to, to see and bring in new things. But I think we don't really look at the customer's age. We just hope that we are offering things that everybody would like. With Face Gym, it is... Um, it has a lot of exposure on social media, and we've had a lot of people discover Face Gym and therefore discover Saks Fifth Avenue, too. And Martine de Richefield is known in Paris, so when people come from Paris, they know about her and she talks about it. So as we have to look at it as a sort of a big global um, entree to, to Saks Fifth Avenue. And it's a very inviting and welcoming place. We have a concierge which will give you a tour We'll have, we have a curator which will sit down and if you don't want to go from brand to brand to brand to find the right products, she'll give you advice on what all the products can be and she can pick them up for you or you can go and pick them up for yourself. So we're trying to think of how a customer would shop and we really look at their age as unimportant. It's really just, do you want beauty? We have beauty. In terms of making everything a little bit easier, because there is so much more information out there and there's so many more products, I mean, do you think that this kind of experience really facilitates that? And like using the education piece of it, using the curators, um, you know, is it really also about ease as well as luxury? I think ease is very important. I, I think the customer who just wants to pick up a mascara because they've run out, they may not be coming to our floor. However, if they they want to get an experience and come and have a, a learn something, be treated really well, give a excellent uh, service, be able to do everything all in one place. I think that, that were your destination. You know, we have a lot of customers who are customers who work right by Saks Fifth Avenue. They know our associates, and we have wonderful associates with long-term relationships with people. And, you know, we get a lot of people just calling back and saying, oh, you know, I'd like to, to get this from you today because they know the people and they know what product they use. But I, I just feel that we, 
we're not trying to be everything to everybody. We just want to be Saks, and we've created a, an atmosphere that is differentiated, and we hope people will come and love it and come back and come back and come back and come it, back some more. In terms of, you know, categories or product, um, what are you kind of seeing um, is really interesting for the Saks customer um, in the last few months? Like, what has really been kind of driving um, real interest? I have to say skincare. It's really been a phenomenon. And it's not really unexpected when you see color being so powerful for so many years that treatment wouldn't be the next thing because people... You have to have beautiful skin for your makeup to look good. And I think um, there's a lot of knowledge out there. I think social media and YouTube is driving a lot of information about how to take care of your skin. So we've seen skin care at all price points and all types. You know, there's been a lot of revolution in it with serums and um, out of the Asian market. There's been a lot of knowledge about different um, steps to take care of your skin. Masks are always exciting. There's a vitamin story coming back. I've seen more retinol products than I have in a long time. And I just think that when there's newness and excitement in it and people see an efficacy to the product, they'll come and buy it from you. So, And, and influencers, they influence people's buying decisions by talking about things. So one person tells something and every, sort of the word of mouth game, but much faster. In terms of that, you know, a lot of um, brands and retailers are kind of really spending um, a lot of time with those influencers and, you know, that kind of online experience that drives um, brand awareness. Um, Do you think that, like, just great product still matters just as much? I think, and again, I've used this word three times, I'll stop after this, but authenticity. When the influencer really uses that product and believes in it and they talk about it in that way, the, the, the product is the hero. And I do feel that the brands that we carry come up with really innovative products. And coming to the floor and you discover them, it's really exciting still. It really is. It's not just um, about uh, a commodity. It's really about the pleasure of feeling good about yourself, which is a very important thing right now with self-care. So it all kind of fits together. It's just having a nice moment. In terms of what you kind of are looking at next, you know, there's a lot happening in the market, whether it's, you know, skincare or wellness or cannabis. Um, what are you kind of thinking? Um, what are areas that you think that Saks could explore or, or areas that you are personally interested in? Well, you know, I think our fragrance um, business is very interesting. We have some amazing lines and they're very high end, and but they're done with, with um, a real honest love of fragrance. And I think that shows through when you come and see our product. But you can really buy a wardrobe of fragrance. You don't just buy one fragrance anymore. It's not like a signature fragrance. And you can come and discover the story behind the fragrance. And I think people love that connection. Um, There's a great, it's not my website, but um, Overheard at Lola Beau. It's a, a Instagram account. And they talk about the passion that they feel towards this product. And I... I read it every day. They always have some post about somebody coming in and talking about their fragrance. And I think what a wonderful time it is that somebody loves the fragrance so much that they have an Instagram account about it. You know, that's what the connection means to the customer. And I think those kind, that's what's driving the trend more than just another great product. I think it's, I feel a connection. I feel a connection to the brand. 
In terms of that, you know, how are you kind of, I'm sure you have a lot of meetings every day with millions and millions of beauty brands, but how are you kind of figuring out what is right for the Saks assortment and in terms of your own merchandising strategy? You know, we look for white space. We look for things we don't have. I I don't need to bring in another X because if I have it, I want to bring in something the customer hasn't seen or I think will be an exciting step forward. So we brought in Orveda um, from London. It's a natural green line and it's very fresh products. And she is really about the balance of the skin. And it was very interesting to me because it's efficacious. It's beautifully packaged. Our customers will love it. And when I saw it, I thought, oh, this is a Saks brand. We didn't have anything like it. And um, it had unique qualities. They actually make the samples under a biodome uh, where you can, so it's as fresh as possible and untouched. And I just thought, oh, that's, that's interesting to me. Um, when it's just a marketing story, it's not of interest to me. So we're, I'm just looking for things we don't have and, and new trends. In terms of, you mentioned something very interesting about marketing because we are seeing a lot more of brands put um, emphasis on that, whether it's packaging or social media or just kind of spin. Um, how do you kind of not listen to that noise? You know, I I look for, I mean, I have a lot of knowledge. I've worked here a long time. So when you see something that resonates that you think this is a sort of gut moment of, oh, I'm excited to see this and I've seen a million things and I'm excited and the story is authentic and compelling and the product is great quality, that's when you you get excited. Um, if it's a nice story with a great idea behind it, but the product doesn't resonate, it's not something that I I pursue. Mm-hmm. Or my my and my team is very strong, and they're the same way. They, they when they get excited, we get we want to do something with them. We want to figure it out. How do you think that um, this um, flagship experience is going to kind of um, inform or roll out in other markets um, in the U.S.? Well. What's exciting is we do already have treatment rooms in our out-of-town stores, and we have expert associates. I would say that, you know, when, as we go in through renovations, we'll look to add elements that we have found successful in New York. So if we have space, we would do services. If if we have space, we'd add more treatment rooms. But in general, we, we look at the brands as the key in all of our stores and the service that the customer receives and make sure that that is continued throughout the stores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do you kind of think that um, this facilitates or obviously um, informs what's happening online and that piece of it? Well, it's exciting because people can come to New York, see a brand, and then if they live in Iowa, where we don't have a store, they can still buy it from us. Um, and I think that online is a great place to do research. You know, you can go in and look at what we have and come into the stores. But we have customers who shop just online, so we have a wonderful offering for them. We have people who shop just in stores, and then we have the wonderful customer shops with us everywhere. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. And what, um, you know, in terms of what we can come to expect more of from you guys, um, what are kind of areas that you are looking into more, or you know, whether it's in the physical experience or even from a product standpoint? Well, our apothecary is something very exciting. We've rolled that out to about 24 doors, and that has a range of 50 products for New York to 30 products um, in the branches. But I'm really excited about hair. Mm. Um, I love the hair category. Um, we have wonderful offering of it. And I think women are 
going to be spending a lot of money and on their hair in the next couple of years, next few years, and that's a brand that's a category that I'm going to go after. I think we're going to roll out more hair in our in our brand stores. Do you think that's something that has to do? Um, it's funny that you say this, but um, has to do a little bit with like the wellness movement and just kind of people caring more about healthy, beautiful, gorgeous hair. Yes, and I think people are learning that there's quality of different different levels of quality of of shampoo, and then there's also quality um, treatment products for hair, which are coming out and. New products obviously drive a category. So when there's a there's a, a breakthrough or a discovery that you should take care of your scalp, for example, and you need a product for that, and that hasn't been said before, that drives people to say, oh, what else do I need for my hair? How do I do it? And, you know, I think, again, if you look at culturally what's happening with dry bar and um, hair is becoming more and more important when I grew up. If you got a blowout, it was because you get styled before a party, but it was really rare for anybody to go and, you know, our mothers went once a week to get their hair done. But now people go multiple times a week. So hair is becoming more important and how you treat your hair is more important because there's a focus on it. And I think that's what drives these categories. So I think hair is going to be a big, a big category in the future. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kate. We really appreciated you having you today. Thank Thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Capadona, the producer of this podcast. If you enjoy the Glossy Beauty Podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. Head to glossy.co slash plus and use the code PRIYA25, P-R-I-Y-A 25, for 25% off an annual subscription. Don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Beauty Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and leave us any feedback you have.